Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights, brought to you by Lumina Health Partners, a national healthcare consulting and leadership development firm focused on improving the strategic, financial, and operational performance of provider organizations and its leaders. On this program, we explore trends and share valuable insights on how health systems and medical groups can navigate this increasingly complex healthcare environment and shift then to transform the delivery of care. Value-Based Care Insights is hosted by Daniel Moreno, Managing Partner of Lumina Health Partners. With over three decades of experience, Daniel specializes in helping organizations shape their strategic initiatives in areas of population health, clinical integration, physician alignment, information technology, and board retreats. For additional insights, visit our website, LuminaHP.com, and sign up for our newsletter. Dan, over to you. Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm your host, Daniel Marino. The economic pressures that we're seeing in the country are definitely plaguing healthcare. Many hospitals, health systems, physician groups continue to struggle with high costs, wage inflation, and probably the biggest one is turnover or a lack of staff in a lot of the key areas of the healthcare units, uh, hospital units, physician practices, and so forth. No doubt that nursing and some of the challenges with recruiting nursing has, continues to be an issue. Physicians, though, are really feeling the pressure. They're feeling the pressure in a number of areas. One, they don't have enough staff to really begin to support good patient care, to support all of the things that they need to do to make their practice efficient. There's a lot of carryover still from all of the pressures that were placed upon physicians as a result of COVID. And, and it's really a serious concern when you speak to many physicians, particularly primary care. Here today, I'm, I'm glad to be joined by my colleague, Dr. George Maisel. George has, is a physician executive who specializes in helping organizations transform the delivery of care through population health strategies, through care management design, He's done a lot of work in physician leadership programs and is just a, a fantastic support to many physician leaders across the country. George, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dan. It's good to be here. So, George, I was recently talking to a colleague of mine who is a physician leader, and he had made an interesting comment to me that physician burnout, burnout within his physician community has never been higher. Physicians are frustrated. There's a lot of dissatisfaction. And, and frankly, he, he's really almost frustrated because it's, it's hard for him to change this, this philosophy or this, this, these feelings of dissatisfaction that he's seeing within his physician practices. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? I know you've spent a lot of time looking into physician burnout. Thoughts? Yeah, Dan, I think what you heard was just uh, literally the canary in the coal mine. 
Um, burnout was a huge issue before COVID. Um, it was a big concern to a lot of organizations. However, when COVID came in, everybody's focus turned away from it because frankly, there was really no choice. Um, you know, it became all hands on deck. Let's let's solve the problem. Now that we're at least moving to the other side of COVID, arguably, um, we're seeing burnout is even worse than ever because COVID put increasing stresses on the system. I think it exposed a lot of the flaws that were previous there. And in fact, the AMA had a recent survey, it just came out, and it said that two, three out of five physicians have at least one symptom of burnout. Actually, the number was 62.8%. Think about that. Well over half of physicians have at least one symptom of burnout. And you know, again, burnout is not a benign problem. It's not just a physician problem. It's a system problem because of all the impacts it has, not just on the individual docs, but also on the culture of the system and directly and indirectly on the patient care. So it's a big issue. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, and, and burnout, just the term burnout, has really a negative connotation to it. It, it really sort of, in my mind, denotes frustration, dissatisfaction. I, I almost think about it the opposite way where we have to really focus on improving physician wellness, right? H how do you create a better environment that, that gets us back to, particularly for physicians, the reason why they got into, into healthcare to begin with? Yeah, I think that's right on. We use the term burnout because it's it's accepted. We've we've talked about it for years, dating way back in all other forms of of uh, work, um, but more recently in healthcare. And uh, burnout's a terrible term. It's it's a very negative term. And when you think about physicians, or in fact any healthcare worker, these are resilient people. These folks have proven that they can get through a grueling academic schedule, a, a grueling a residency or internship or other clinical rotation schedule. These are folks that have a lot of stamina and a lot of, and, and approved it. And so the term burnout is just a, a really bad term. Um, a lot of folks have call it uh, moral injury. They've called it incongruity, a lot of different things. But what it really is, it's not about taking care of patients. That's not what physicians and healthcare workers complain about. It's all the stuff that gets in the way and surrounds taking care of patients. Um, so burnout is, is not really the right term. We'll use it because it's expedient, but, but really it's much more than that. And when we talk about burnout, just to be clear, the definition of burnout, there's a lot of definitions, but they really revolve around three main symptomatologies. Um, one is just emotional exhaustion, just so tired. This is not just one time, this is day in and day out, just really can't even get out of bed. The second is feeling low personal accomplishment, feeling like no matter what you do, it's not going to fix things. And the last thing is the depersonalization of patients, not looking at patients as people, um, but of, of things to get through and by and, and over. So um, those are the three um, major diagnostic criteria. Um, but again, as you said, we, we've got to move past this thinking of burnout and think about how do we get folks past burnout onto reminding them why people went into healthcare in the first place and bringing back the wellness and the joy of practicing medicine, either as a doctor or as a nurse or any other healthcare worker. Yeah, I agree. And you're really seeing that, um, that feeling of dissatisfaction transcend all the way through, you know, a, a healthcare hospital organization. You recently wrote a book, The Resil Resilient Healthcare Organization, How to Reduce Physician 
and healthcare worker burnout. You know, one of the things that you've mentioned in the in the book was that you need to have the right model of care, right? The model of care that provides a support structure that allows nurses um, and physicians to work together as a team to really begin to to support that care delivery model in a way that we're meeting the needs of of patients. But when you when you think about what the care model is today, just due to the the reduction in let's say the the nurses or the turnover in nurses and just the lack of ability to really recruit recruit strong nurses, boy, that's got to put a tremendous amount of pressure on the physicians to really uphold the relationship with the patient, of which the nurse is a big part of that, but just to really be able to deliver care up to the standards that need to be given and to really support patients in their time of need. Yeah, that's exactly right on. When we look at burnout, um, we look at burnout solutions or at least causality and about, you know, one can argue, but maybe one quarter is really at the individual level. Um, Most of it is at the corporate level, which is where you were going. And that's really about how physicians and other healthcare workers are able to practice medicine. As you brought, there's a lot of issues that go into this. Um, one, as you mentioned, is the staffing. Um, if, if folks are understaffed or frankly have less qualified staff or less trained staff, it puts increasing burden on all those things I was talking about that interfere with patient care. Um, the physician wants to spend time diagnosing and treating the patient. They don't wanna spend time putting patients in the room and filling out sheets and, and, and working on the EMR and those sort of things. Uh, you know, we recognize that those are, those are part and parcel of care, but, but that shouldn't really be, you know, a big part of the focus. Uh, the other piece that um, you kind of indirectly mentioned is the EMR. And that's a huge right. issue in terms of, um, of really, unfortunately, getting in the way of providing good care. Again, I, I recognize that it's a necessary evil. It's not going away. It, it has a lot of good things attached to it and with it. But when the EMRs were originally designed, they weren't designed around the clinical care process. They were designed around billing and the hospital process. Um, so we, we need to see about making those uh, those tools more efficient. And the last thing you kind of indirectly mentioned, but I'll bring to the forefront is really, um, well, two other things. One is matching cultures. Um, the culture of the organization needs to match with the culture of the physician, the values, um, patient focus, really kind of trying to do the right thing for all the right reasons. Um, that goes a long way. And then the other item is workflow. And that's really coordinating things so that um, things are aligned to minimize all those distractions um, around the patient care process. So all that has to flow into things. And each one of those is a complicated and complex process but really important to um, getting past some of this burnout into the joy of practicing medicine. So George, the, the employment models obviously have, um, have changed over the last number of years. More independent physicians have become employed. Uh, I think early on, they did this for economic reasons. They did this to, I think, um, reduce some of the, the administrative functions or issues a lot of which that you just talked about with regards to the EMR and workflow and so forth. Um, are, are you still seeing or hearing from your colleagues that they're happy with the employment model? Are some of them thinking about maybe going back to private practice? Employment model used to be 
um, independent physicians and then hospital employed physicians. That was sort of the, the traditional model that was around for a while. And of course, now what we're seeing, which has added a lot of complexity, is we're seeing um, private equity jumping in and buying physician groups. We're seeing yep. um, the number one employer in the country for primary care is now United Healthcare through Optum. So we're seeing what we call payviders, which is um, managed care companies now owning providers. So all these individual, each one has its own intrinsic um, alignment challenges, depending on which model. Um, but they all sort of, you know, potentially have some challenges in one, how much autonomy does the physician still have? Can they pick and choose and, and nuance their schedule? Um, I was just talking to a group of providers who were incredibly frustrated because they didn't have the ability to expand their schedule when they had some challenging patients, even when they knew of it in advance. And that just put a lot of extra pressure on the system. So that autonomy and that flexibility are huge. The second part of that employment model is the compensation model that often accompanies it, accompanies it the uh, model. Again, they're all can be different, but most of them are, are, are generally um, based on how much how many patients they see, either an RVU model or other billing comp model. This puts increasing pressure on the physician and also clearly can lead to more burnout. Um, there's some that are mixed models with some uh, incentive-based models as well as quality and outcomes and other things, um, which are coming more into play, which is important. Um, but certainly all those different compensation models can add to either alignment or misalignment, again, depending on the model and the system. And the other item that you mentioned earlier, which I'll emphasize here again, is that staffing piece. Um, in a private practice, the physician had control over staffing to a degree in terms of how many nurses they hired and how many techs and so on. Again, there was an economic cost, but at least they had some decision-making on that control. Often in these new models where there's a large company or a hospital or a private equity company who's managing the practice, the physicians or other uh, clinicians don't really have control, assuming they can even find people, which is, you know, is a challenge, but assuming they can, they don't always have control yeah. over that staffing overhead. And again, can really, really lead to increasing pressures uh, on the physician side. So um, again, there's a lot more than just those things, but those are the things that, that come top of mind. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think all of those items make it really critical and I think are putting a lot of pressure on the employed physicians. If you're just tuning in, I'm Daniel Marino, and you're listening to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm talking today with George Maisel, Dr. Maisel, regarding physician burnout and a lot of the challenges that we're continuing to see within our physician community. So George, when, when you think about the employed model, are physicians feeling more pressure to, to maintain a certain volume level or are they seeing more pressure to reduce costs, to do more with less, maybe to take on a little bit more because they don't have that st that staffing resource with them? I think the answer is that in many, many cases, yes, not all. Again, in the old days where you know physicians would see patients and then to get compensated for who they saw, um, it was sort of an incentive-based model, but there was ownership of the practice and there was total control over how many staff you had and how long you worked and so on. In these new models, some of that control has gone away. So um, those incentive-based models can put a lot of pressure on physicians. Um, and again, depending on exactly how it's set up, 
um, they could be a, a huge challenge to physicians um, in terms of trying to make sure that they can give quality care while also maintaining uh, enough volume in the practice. So um, all those things we just mentioned. So I think it's not one size fits all that every um, employed model um, is worse than the old days perhaps, but I think I would say that many of them are because again, I think sometimes, you know, employing professionals is not quite the same as employing um, folks at a, at a manufacturing plant. And right. sometimes that's not always as recognized as it needs to be. And again, there's huge, you know, taking care of sick patients is is very challenging, not just, for, you know, from a, a knowledge base and a throughput, but also emotionally. So taking all those into account, um, that autonomy on the physician side becomes really critical in terms of uh, making sure that there, everything's alignment in terms of the compensation model, the autonomy, the flexibility, and all those other things that need to go into a model that supports physicians and helps to bring back right. some of the joy in medicine while also being, again, um, financially competitive. Well, incentive alignment, I think, is so key. And a lot of times I think that either gets lost or gets overlooked. And, you know, when, when you think about the drivers of physician alignment, how much does physician leadership come into play? We're seeing more and more uh, healthcare systems or hospitals employing physicians in leadership roles. Um, do they have the autonomy to really make a change? Is, is this is this a good thing in terms of the direction and support for physicians? Yeah, there's there's a lot of studies out there that say physician leadership or organizations that have a lot of good physician leadership, strong physician leadership, um, have less problems with burnout. There's no doubt there's a, a, a negative correlation between more leadership and less burnout. Right. Um, again, I think th to the answer to your question is, every organization is a little different. Not only do we have to have good physician leadership, but there has to be training for that leadership. And that leadership has to be accompanied by the responsibility and accountability to uh, influence and create change that supports um, great patient care and good patient and good physician outcomes. So all that's connected. Again, we move from the triple aim to quadruple aim, which, which brings into staffing and physician uh, well-being into the equation. And I think um, we've undersold that because it's so important. Again, physician burnout is not just about physicians. It's about the care of the patient. There's been a, a huge correlation with errors and safety issues and other things when physicians and other healthcare professionals are um, burned out or partially burned out. So yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you though, with a couple, with some of the organizations that I've worked with and, it, and we're doing some strategy work right now with a few different, different clients, those healthcare organizations that have strong physician leadership appear to have more of a, a culture that is more proactive, driving patient care, working through some of these issues. Now, you know, again, the, the turnover issue, there's nothing you could do about that, right? You've got to have a plan in place. And I, and I think you've got to work through that. And, you know, you can have the best physician leader in the world. And, you, you know, if you have turnover, you're going to have you're going to have turnover. But what I am seeing is and you touched on this physician leaders who have the right level of training, who have the right level of development, who certainly are respected uh, by their peers and have the right aligned incentives appear to to be able to to overcome 
a lot of these culture challenges with burnout. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but in, in, a, in a few of the, the healthcare organizations that I've worked with, boy, that to me, that has really been a differentiator. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right on. Uh, the other thing I would also add that um, in the right organizations with the right position and other leadership, you see less turnover. And turnover is really expensive. Turnover it is. It is. And, and yeah. turnover at the nursing side. So I think that that physician leadership, again, because again, I'm, I'm probably biased, which is probably okay. Um, mm. But they understand the care process. They understand how to balance um, patient care and outcomes. Um, and then, you know, what we're adding to that is the economic realities of healthcare. But, but I think, and again, biased included, who better to try to make those balancing acts um, than someone who knows and understands patient care and patient outcomes and the workflow involved in, in getting patients um, treated properly? I, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. So, you know, if you're, if, if we're working, if you're working with an organization and you're, you know, you discovered that they, they have a lot of physician dissatisfaction. What piece of advice would you give to some of these leaders in terms of where to start, how to address it, how to begin to move the sort of the culture dial, if you will, to, you know, from physician burnout or dissatisfaction to more around physician wellness and well-being? Well, I think the, the, the first step is sort of the most important, but also in some ways the easiest, you, you got to measure it yeah. and you got to acknowledge it and you got to understand it. So it's about, you know, surveys, but it's also about, you know, conversations, executive leader rounding, um, talking to the people and figuring out why there's always reasons. And then of course, if you don't do anything with that, then nothing happens. But then the second step is bringing the right people in to help change some of those, high, you know, high issue items. And again, we, we know what, what are satisfiers, but each individual organization has to figure out what's causing that dissatisfaction. Um, and then that's where the physician leadership comes in, nursing leadership for that matter. Um, and, and, you know, looking at the culture and looking at the values of the, the system, that's where you might want to realign the comp model to create that alignment. Um, and that's why you bring everybody to the table as a team and figure out how do we all, we all want to take great care of patients and we all know we have to have some financial accountability to get there. How do we make that all happen in, in, a, in a balanced type of way? So I think the first part is just acknowledging that it's real and it's expensive. And frankly, it's it's a differentiator in, in, in good organizations versus not good organizations. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And you know, I I I really think, you know, I'm I'm a huge proponent of of having a plan, right? You have a plan, you know what your tasks are, you know where you're going, you you measure your success. You know, we do that a lot when we help organizations with strategic planning. I think you really need to have a plan on how you're going to improve physician wellness. And, and in my mind, it really comes down to four things. I think a lot of what you mentioned here, George, I think it's really coming down to what is the plan to reduce some of the administrative burdens incorporated in that plan is how you're going to address turnover, staff turnover, nursing turnover, and the recruitment, physician leadership, I think has to be part of that. This really does need to be physician-led, as you said, and aligned incentives are key. But the last point I think is really important. You have to begin to measure this along the way. So if you've got a plan in place with a number of objectives and tasks that you want to begin to achieve over time, 
to improve physician wellness or well-being, to be able to measure this, to be able to create some surveys, to be able to allow physicians to provide a voice, in my mind, taken together with those other factors, really is what's going to drive the change. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, you don't change what you don't measure. So you got to measure it and then you gotta acknowledge it's an issue and create a plan to improve it. And then, you know, have a long-term view um, that you're tracking on a regular basis along the way to know that you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Well, George, this has been, this has been great. Any um, final insights or pieces of advice you might give to any of our listeners if they're really struggling with physician burnout or want to improve their physician wellness within their own organization? Any thoughts? Yeah, I think we've covered a, a lot of them. I think the most important thing is to acknowledge that this is an issue and to listen, um, active listening, to understand what's going on and why, and to be open-minded about creating some changes um, in the organization um, and talking to your physicians and making sure you understand um, what's the, the, the biggest thing uh, that's concerning them. So, um, and then actively fix that so that you get some credibility and then do the other things that we just talked about, about making a plan and having a long-term view to the uh, ultimate solutions. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think take all those things taken together are just key and, you know, it doesn't just go away and you, you really have to work and put some time in and some energy to really improve these, these key areas. And, you know, our physician community is so important to our care model, so important to our organization, so important to our physicians. It does really have to come down to that plan and the execution of that. Hopefully you receive some, some good information, some good insights until the next insight. I am Daniel Marino bringing you 30 minutes of value to your day. Take care. Are you at a crossroad with value-based care? Do you need to chart a future strategy or improve your organization's performance? Visit us at LuminaHP.com to learn more about our professional advisory services and leadership development programs. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. To connect with Daniel Marino, or for more information about the show, visit our website or healthcarenowradio.com. Join this conversation using our hashtag, BBC Insights. We are Lumina Health Partners. Thank you for joining us today. Until the next value-based care insight, stay well.